We missed the chance to record after, you know, yet another stirring, triumphant, Ronaldo-inspired comeback in midweek. Well, yes. I mean, he, he is, as, as we were um, messaging, inevitable, yeah. isn't he? he? At this point, I did think after he scored that, uh, I don't know what minute it was in, where uh, just the inch-perfect low volley. Would you call it low volley? Uh, it was yeah. on the volley, wasn't it? From, from Mason's sort of pass. Um, I did think he was trolling you because, you know, you express your anger with Ronaldo and all, all, all he stands for and has yeah. done <laughs> frequently. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he just keeps yeah, banging them in. He's utterly yeah. brilliant at putting the ball in the back of the net. I just said before we started recording, he's Duff Beer, the cause of unsolution to all life's problems, all United's problems in this case. Yes. Anyway, no, he's obviously just, I, you know, I really shouldn't have to clarify this after 500-something episodes, but I would like to clarify, I don't genuinely believe Ronaldo to be the cause of all Manchester United's problems much. No, I, I think he's caused a very specific yes. problem for United, which is, and as was widely advertised, uh, United, uh, or Oli wanted United to play a, Higher line, higher pressing game, you know, more front foot. And because of the security that Rafael Varane brings, um, and he really wanted Sancho um, to play the sort of Jordan Adopts football that Bruno is brilliant at inspiring. And then two days before the transfer deadline, three games into the season, he's dumped with Ronaldo, which means you cannot play that high pressing game. You just can't. I mean, and yesterday was a perfect example. Manchester City just played very simple triangles around every time United tried to press with two or one of the front players. And, and it was just so, so bloody easy for them. So Ronaldo has created a problem. He scored nine goals in 12 games, which is hard yeah, to argue with like, uh, because like he's, it, he's, he's utterly brilliant at putting the ball in yeah, the back of the those, net, um, but not but much if else. If you get through the Champions League group stage, it will be because of him scoring goals in in crucial yeah. moments as well like that's the the thing that's exceptional talent wise like it's... yes absolutely that that point is really vital because now united can lose a villarreal and beat young boys and be through yeah. so but... and and without that point probably that wouldn't be the and, case and you know he he scored the winner in the three two and he's he's proven at the very very highest level for an incredibly long time he'll go down in history as one of the well, he'll go down in history as one of the best players ever and maybe the best ever big game goal scorer guy guy. I don't know about big game goal scorer guy guy, but he's, he scores a lot of goals in big moments. Anyway, yeah, that just feels like a thousand years ago now as midweek games tend to. It really does. It really does because whatever United did in that game, Bergamo was eclipsed by the horror show that we <laughs> the, saw the at Old Trafford. The thing about that game in Bergamo is most of it was a horror show as well. Like that's... Yeah, so the first 45 minutes in particular was absolute mess at the back. And, and coaching defensive positioning and how to defend is the easy part of the game. That's the bit that all coaches go to first because coaching the repetitive movements and repeated patterns of play going forward is much, much harder. So hard, in fact, that Ollie has just decided <laughs> never to do that and just to leave it to the players to make it up as they go along. Um, which is all well and good if you put the ball in the back so, of the net, which they didn't do against City. Uh, as well, just briefly about Atalanta, that he started with the back three again, and we said, we've got to take our dubs where we can get them, right? This show is a long lineage of saying stuff that turned out not to be true in the future about games that were coming up, but I think we both said that Tottenham performance, the 3-0 win, it's not like United are back, baby. Awoo! This was Tottenham are terrible. No, I have I had... Exactly. I had no confidence that that meant anything at all other than you know, United were able to beat a team that didn't yeah. want the ball. So he played the back three again. He started with the back three again and then Varane went down because he's been rushed back from injury to save his manager's job. Too harsh? Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know. But look, there's the briefing that came out afterwards, which uh, your mate Luckhurst in the Manchester Easy News reported where he, he, there was no reaction, he was fit. Um, it was all perfectly good. And then there's the very long history of Ollie mismanaging players' yeah. injuries. Very, very long history of that. Um, and he's just come back from a muscle injury and then got a hamstring injury. I mean, they're all connected, folks. If it looks like a cat and it's hers like a cat, it's probably a f***ing cat. Isn't it? 
if it looks like a duck and quacked like a duck normally. If it, if, oh, I don't know. I just went yeah, for cat. Like it. If it, um, <laughs> if it looks like an elephant and does that noise with its trunk like an elephant, it's probably an elephant. Probably is anyway. So I'm, yeah, I don't have very much confidence that Ferrandi wasn't related to his previous injury. And the the back three lasted the game against Tottenham in 38 minutes against um, Atalanta, and then it came yeah. back, but not really because in uh, sit, yeah, the game against City was a flat back five. Yeah, they were not pushing the wing backs forward at all ever, uh, and that was actually very very easy to sit for City to play against because they were able to use their wide fullbacks to pin United's back and they had an outball all the time it didn't matter they could switch it from side to side all of the time and and United were just shifting laterally across the pitch to try and defend it and there was always going to be an overload it just happened to be it was Jao Cancelo um and, and he, he created chances before the goal didn't he and uh, and that was five minutes into the game I mean yeah, it, it, I, I'm not a qualified coach I'm just I'm just a bloke on the internet yapping away <laughs> that some random people listen to um, but I'm looking at my TV going, this is uh, yeah. up. I can see this is yeah. wrong. And and he's uh, got Mason Greenwood man-marking Rodri, which is his kind of one tactical innovation that was clearly designed to stifle the play at source for City. But It, it, it was, but they just played yeah, around you, that. You, and, like, you and, need to back that up because if you're going to, if you're going to shut off, I mean, first of all, you know, I, I think it's a lot to ask Mason Greenwood to have the kind of technical competence that's required to man mark right. someone. That's that's not an easy job. I mean, we think of in that last Fergie season where he put Phil Jones on Fellaini so that he could practice ahead of putting Phil Jones on, uh, was it Messi? No, it was Ronaldo. Um, right, sorry, <laughs> one or the other. It, 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 it was... It just doesn't happen very often in football that you man mark, and it's a complex yep. job. And and Rodri didn't; he just always had an easy pass on because Greenwood wasn't supported by the rest of his uh, teammates in in the kind of space squeeze that you need to make a make man marking their number six an effective tactic. Yeah, try try playing a rondo three against yeah. one. It, it, see, see see how good that exactly. work. Yeah, it just doesn't. And and City had that all over the pitch all the time. So. Look, I half get what he's trying to do. He's yeah. trying to, um, he, he's trying to like narrow the pitch by having five at the back and uh, and and make City play in front of United, which they have struggled with. Yeah, they've got, I think it's six times this season out of fourteen games they've failed to score, which is quite high. And they have all this possession, they create chances, and and they're trying to walk into the net, and and you can kind of see that, and you can kind of understand the thinking on, well, let's cut the quarterback off, and so they can't. They can't get the balls into the spaces between the lines because they have lots of lots of players who, you know, Bernardo Silva kept dropping out of the false nine. Um, Foden was absolutely brilliant about finding the half spaces as he always is. So I, I kind of semi-understand the thinking, at least on the defensive side of things. I'm like, how are United going to score? with this? How are you going to put any kind of pressure on? As soon as I saw that, I'm like, well, City are going to have 75% possession. You think you're going to... It, it looked like... A non-league side playing a Premier League side in the FA Cup. That's how United set up. And that was pathetic. And this is Manchester United, who finished second last season, got three world-class players, or close to it, and are supposed to progress. And we're, we're, we're reduced to doing that. Desperate stuff. The, the one thing that I would say in slight mitigation, slight mitigation, is that the Bayern goal after six minutes scuppers the plan. But the plan didn't change yep. meaningfully after it, that. It, it did not. Was... So, I mean, it did rely on, if you're going to do that, it did rely on not making those stupid individual errors. And there were two of them that cost the goals. And I suppose you could say, well, hey, Solskjaer's plan would have worked but for that. But that was the biggest 2-0 battering I think I've well, ever that, seen. That's the, that's the thing I was going to say. So when the, the first Liverpool goal went in the other week at a similar time stamp, it's like, oh, this is going to be ugly. Now this, I I didn't think this was going to end up being 5 or 6 nil, um, because City, they, they just, the dish was easy. They just didn't have to push that hard. They didn't have to waste energy destroying United. And, and 
I mean, there was a, a little period at the kind of 75th minute mark where I was thinking they might regret not getting a third when they were completely on top because if we snatch one, there'll be all vibes and atmosphere and Ronaldo and it could happen. It, it didn't. And it didn't deserve that to happen again. There's a, there's, a, there's a couple of little things. I don't know quite when to say this. I'm just going to say it now because it popped into my head. After the match, I didn't watch any of the, the post-match coverage because never has my TV been turned over or off. It was off because I went straight out. Off quicker than after that game. But I saw a, a quote from Roy Keane after yep. this game. And I actually thought this was despicable. I thought this was a dereliction of duty on Roy Keane's part. He said, I'm paraphrasing here. I mean, I don't even know why I'm saying these words because you probably just um, spin the Roy Keane what you think he would have said after this game generator. And yep, that's exactly what he said. Um, these players lack fight. They don't want it enough. Da, 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 da. Like, if these players lacked fight and didn't want it enough, it would have finished last season seventh. Like, they had a 50-match unbeaten streak away from home going behind in something like 40% of those games. Because these players yeah. want it, never stop fighting, never stop trying. Like this, right. it's the yeah. I don't, I don't buy it at an, all. It's yeah, such yeah. an insult to the players, and and the thing that it's really yeah, an yeah. insult to is the intelligence of the people that are watching, because it is them just defending their mate. Like this team, they don't deserve that kind of criticism. That they just. They deserve other criticism, but, but yeah, not they, that they one. Deserve yeah. what, they deserve a bit of understanding that they're trying to make something work. That It's their reputations. It's like Solskjaer's reputation would be in the mud, but his reputation's in the mud with anyone who... There's nobody who's like really smart and sophisticated about football that thinks Ali Solskjaer is a smart, sophisticated football brain. Like, it just... There's nobody... Like, it those. These players are getting their reputations hammered because they're being sent out on an absolute fool's errand to, to, to set up like that against City. Like, I actually think you can play with a back three. And Van Hal said this the other day, didn't he? You could play with a back three and it's a perfectly good attacking setup. It's not defensive to play with a back three. It's defensive to play with a back five and put your second centre forward man mark in their number six. That's a defensive system. In, in a, in, oh, yeah. If they were trying to play on the counter... They're trying to play on the counter with who? Like, who, who are you expecting know, to know. do the countering? Rashford's on the bench. That, that's, that, I mean, it, that's what I was saying earlier. I, mean, I just didn't, didn't think there was any plan to do anything other than try and defend. This is why I look like a non-league team versus a Premier League team. But you're actually, you're absolutely right about, like, about Keane. It's so reductive in the analysis. that Their heart, you can see, Bruno's broken after this. Ronaldo is broken after this. You know, the the players do care. All those comebacks, they care. That's not the problem. There may have been previous iterations of this, of United post-Fergie, where I I might have bought into that kind of reductive analysis going, there's a few of these don't really want to be at the club. But but Oli has spent three years cleaning house, and I'm pretty sure almost all of the players um, on the pitch and in the squad want to be at the club. They want it. They want to succeed. They they believed with Ronaldo coming that their chances of succeeding were increased. Um, but they've got a manager who was willing to, I think, protect his job by just losing by a few and not by six or seven. Um, That's... Because it might have been untenable. The higher-ups don't want to fire him. There's no other plan at the moment, right? They are all in on the Oli train. Um even as it's careering off the tracks and over, you know, the bridge into the ravine, and then they're not going to get off. And and um, and I've lost my train of thought. It's but, careened into it's but, careened um, off the tracks, and yeah. it's careened. Yeah, so is my train of thought. But yeah, the point I was trying to make is that um, yeah, I don't think it's about heart or passion or you know anything like that or spirit. And this club, sorry, I keep taking the piss out of Ollie. It's it's mean, but it, it's it's about a manager who understands how to get the best out of this group of players. And as you said on the, the group chat, isn't it so damning that one team looked like they were coached and the other didn't? And, and I know that's become a f-ing meme, but it's, uh, it's just true. We all have eyes and we can all the, see this it. This is the, the thing that um, I was thinking, uh, I never would have had the, the gumption to actually do this. And no one would because they probably wouldn't still be able to go to the next one 
But a journalist at press conference afterwards should have asked Solskjaer, isn't, doesn't it embarrass you, the disparity in how much one team looks like it knows what it's doing and the other team doesn't? Because as a fan, I'm not really embarrassed on the behalf of like, oh, I'm a United fan, they've disgraced me and it's affecting my life choice. I'm not going to be embarrassed because United are crap. Like, that's that's a stupid thing. To, there's so many things you'd be embarrassed about. Don't worry about that one. Haircut, clothing choices. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like... What you said after the eighth pint of beer the other <laughs> night, that kind of thing. What I said after the eighth pint of beer, the last time I had eight pints of beer, which would have been 1999, um... But the, 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 the <laughs> idea that Solskjaer isn't embarrassed by that is, is like, he really, 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 he personally should be. Like, that at this point, like, we can talk about systemic failures, we can talk about squad balance, we can talk about all these things. He's been there so long and they don't look like they've got a clue what they're supposed to be doing. And those yeah. indi- both goals from massive individual errors, right? The by one... Listen, you can't, I don't think you can really hammer defenders for trying to get a foot on the ball and it, it skews into the net. I think that's... No, the real the real error there was Bruno not closing down his man. And but I won't have a go at Bruno, but that was pretty criminal. And, and sure, um, for the second one, now that's worse because sure, sure at that point has just completely switched off at the back stick. And um, I, I saw somebody saying on Twitter that like... Uh, fans just assumed it wasn't couldn't possibly be a goal or it was offside or as a dead ball or something because of the extent to which uh Shaw switched off there's no way this could be a goal situation and like it was yeah. kind of horrifying to watch it unfold there was a little period of play there was one passage of play where United actually looked quite good in between the two goals there was um like it started with one <laughs> yeah one that... on the right and by stepping into That's midfield, right. there's the one time they disrupted City's midfield. By he stepped into midfield, and and from that that ended in the shot that Ronaldo had with his on the volley with mm-hmm. his left that was saved. I think that's the one shot United had on target. They only had four touches in the City box. And you I look mean, at that starting eleven, and you go, "Well, this is a starting eleven set up to have four touches in City's box." Even if we don't go one nil down after six minutes, and and then when we do. And he doesn't make any changes. And then ah, just the kind of, the the way he uses subs in these situations, like, the, it, I don't know. It's yeah. Just... I mean, uh, we, were, we were chatting at halftime. I was like, look, he has to, he has to take off a centre back and bring on Rashford, I said. I mean, it doesn't matter. Sancho, yeah. Rashford, wh- whatever. It had to be a forward that would that would be able to, to um, give United some way of getting the ball out. Um, and, and so that was the, the right, choice and then the weird thing was that Sancho got into lots of spaces that he gets into into the half spaces in between uh, Rodri and, and City's back four and they weren't able to find him you know he's having a tough time but I, I look at him and I think but he's the jigsaw puzzle in the the wrong place basically and United is trying to you know ram him in and he's he's he needs to be elsewhere and uh, it, part of it's his at that adaptation but I think a lot of against City was the United players not finding him in the right or not being able to or not or we're not so many of the balls were um coming out of the because United was so deep with this flat back five and they had two sitting in front and Bruno was having to come back into midfield and help. So many of the balls were high mm. risk coming out of defence. Right. You're you having to play the kind of balls that you'd want to play in the final third, because the risk reward there is you get a chance. The risk reward having to do that in the defensive for third is, is that you turn over possession, which United did over and over again. And Moyes lost his job when we lost 3-0 to, I can't remember which way around it was, 3-0 to Liverpool, 3-0 to City. And both of those were absolutely embarrassing, embarrassing losses. There were There was a huge, like, gaping disparity between those teams. And that was a United side that had won the league the season before. And this is a United side that's being destroyed by Liverpool and City in back-to-back weeks, right, two, like two weeks apart, when City have won the league the season before and Liverpool have won the league the season before that. So maybe that's a slightly different scenario. But I, I, I was very glad when Tottenham appointed Antonio Conte because I don't personally want to go on a ride on the 
Conte train for the next couple of years. I can understand why they're United fans that would have been completely fine with that. But for me, I, I really, really, really think that, I think I said this last week, but I really think that whoever's United's next manager should be someone who's building on the good things that Solskjaer did and adding the thing that he can't do. Because I think Solskjaer yeah. has done some yeah. really good things at this club, but it is, I mean, it, I, I, I suppose he's not going to lose his job because it's not clear who they want. Maybe they're, you know, Pochettino's not happy in Paris and they'll get him in the summer or whatever, but it's going to be a long time between now and then there's going to, there's going to be a fevered, um, baying for Solskjaer's blood for much of that time. Yeah. So I was chatting to, to friend and show Garav, um, about the game and, and he, he's, he was saying, and I'm paraphrasing him, so sorry if it's, it's not, you know, quite correct. He was saying, look, um, if and when Solskjaer goes, we, we're going to lose that sort of reconnection between the club and the fans that Solskjaer had brought and the good vibes type thing. And, and I kind of, I do understand that. I want Oli to succeed desperately because he's Oli, you know, and he scored that goal in 99 and all of that. And he's a questionable, questionable human being for reasons we've discussed in depth on this pod, but good, good vibes FC. I, I want to continue, but that, that it wasn't that way round, right? The, the board didn't go, Hey, what we really need is for the club to reconnect with the fans. Um, and we need to bring back United DNA. That was a story they attached to Oli having a successful first 12 games and then giving him the job permanently, right? They, the narrative fit the things they did not the other way so? around I, I mean I, and, I, I think they they hired Solskjaer and Phelan to me that was like a a very kind of overt attempt to make it more united because Mourinho was so un-United-y but but it was only it was only supposed to be temporary sure and and United had a short-term run of good form which we now is no now know three years in is just very bursty under under Solskjaer isn't it and and then they were like, yeah, huh, up the, up the reds. And anyway, I've sworn so many times, many times on this pod already. Uh, yeah, it's my quota for the season, I think. Uh, anyway, um, so maybe we're going to lose that. But, but it's, it's, and, and maybe we'll sort, maybe Conte wouldn't have been the right choice because of that and because of what he tends to bring, the chaos that he brings for, for a couple of seasons before departing. Um, either way, whether they go Conte or Pochettino or, Brian bloody Robson. It, it doesn't matter in a way because there's no vision. There's just nothing from the top, right? Other than how do we make money? So whoever they bring in will probably be more competent than Ollie because, hey, the Peter principle is firmly in effect here. Um, and, and maybe we'll get better results on the pitch because the club still generates bucket loads of cash that it can go spend, hopefully, in, you know, a, a reasonably less haphazard fashion than has been the case for many of the years post Fergie, but, but it's just like, is there anything linking these things together? Right. There's nothing linking these things. Together. Well, no, here's the bull case for that though. One, I would say that this is an argument that lots of people that wanted Reno to keep the job made, that it doesn't matter who's in charge. It does matter who's in charge. It, it, you know, Liverpool, everyone talks about like Liverpool's amazing structure and transfer business. Everyone was talking about how the transfer committee was not working properly. And then they brought Klopp in and it has a transformational effect because he's that kind of manager. I'm, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, that's not the entirety of my argument, right? So the, the, yeah. the rest of my argument is that it matters immensely who the person sitting in the manager's seat is, who the person, um, that is trying to make the best out of the squad because there's I do not believe you know there's the, the thing of like who'd want the job or whatever but I think there's so many managers who would look at that squad and go my god I could do something with that squad yeah no I agree and and to be to to be clear I'm not saying it doesn't matter who's in I think it's a key position clearly it matters a lot right but who gets that job is not coming from a place of we have a strategic vision for no. this club on and off the pitch and we know sure. where we're going and we're going to put all the pieces together. And of course we're going to make mistakes, but we believe this is the right way to get from A to B, right? Which is what City did very well, which is what Liverpool did, did very did well. Now they can still be X pretty well. I mean, they've gone on a, on a, on a budget that is smaller than United. They've won the European Cup but and no, the Premier but, League. But, but isn't right? that just because they appointed Jurgen Klopp? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't believe that's 
and got the right players. Uh, well, but how much of them getting the right players is like the fact that they got the exact right players? Because a lot of, a lot of those players, when they were signed, United fans wouldn't have been clamoring for them to come to United or whatever. Um, you, you put the players in a manager's hands who knows how to like work with players, get the best out of them, has a, a system and a plan, and it's all very clear. I, I just, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know the weightings. Yeah. Um, probably there's someone much smarter than me could, be, could, could sure. work out there how much, how much expected goals difference there is on, because well, you do with players, actually. You can. There are, your smart scout do this very well. They attach a value to a player for expected goals per 90, both, you know, for and against, and, and can then given up waiting yeah it's modeled right um i i don't know how much difference it is with the manager versus some other executive in the club but i i, I do kind of believe that all the pieces do need to fit together to give you the best chance of getting everything yeah. right sorry to uh, you know uh, some friends who messaged us on instagram likely if united had the right pieces in place they wouldn't have spent 52 million pounds on fred i'm just picking on him because he was dreadful yesterday and he's a dreadful player for that kind of money. And why not? Just as an example of where you might go wrong. Um, anyway, I think the reason why we're so frustrated and we're talking around in circles a little bit, because that was, that was for me, worse than the mm. Liverpool result. Liverpool was chaos. That was mm. planned. That was a manager going, if I lose 5-0, um, there's no way I'm keeping my job. If I only lose by a couple, it's easy for for Woodward and Co to go well, it's Manchester City. Look how expensive their squad is. They got the best manager in the world. Anyone can lose two 0 to them. They did this to Chelsea the other week, uh, and and so it's not that unexpected. You know, easy to brush it off. When in reality, this was a pub side, basically playing City, uh, and it was the the mis individual mistakes. You're sure you can write those off. The approach. Uh, the pathetic approach is much, much harder to forgive. Yeah, Maguire said they maybe lacked a bit of belief. Uh, so he was put to Solskjaer in a post-match interview. Yeah. Looked pretty shocked. Um, I wonder whether the fact that they lacked belief might have something to do with the fact that they were set up in a way where we couldn't work out that we were going to score a goal, barring a set piece or a worldie mm. from someone. So the thought experiment, if you, if you took the City... Liverpool, Chelsea, and United squads, and jumbled around the managers. Who would win? Well, I mean, I did think in this this game because I, I did the players get so much stick. Fred gets so much stick. Matomane gets so much stick. I did think this game was such a good example if you put the exact same players up against each other with six years of Pep coaching on one side and um, three years of Solskjaer coaching on the other, the results would have gone the other direction. I just really genuinely believe that. Like, this is it, this is not about a, dispar a disparity in quality in squad because City have got a brilliant squad with loads of brilliant players, but in general, their brilliant players are um, in similar positions to our brilliant players. And we've got easily enough, you know, of all their kind of attacking riches. We have... I mean, the, the most incredible array of attacking riches at United for 15 years or something like that, you know, maybe not quite 15, but a long time. This is a team that is being very, very, very badly handled. And the, the, mm. it's on a, it, I don't know how you arrest that. I, I, I think the, the fact that he made the, as you described it, the wild swing in the direction of the kind of low block back five uh, as a re reaction to how badly things were going, how badly it went against Liverpool. Um, and that that has been so comprehensively taken apart, by the way, both against Atalanta and against City, because the difference in those two games is largely the quality of opposition in the two games, right? That's why we were able to get it back into it against Atalanta and we weren't against City. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think he's done out here, but um, it might limp on for a while. Um, and I really enjoyed the early Solskjaer era uh, tremendously. And I really had a lot of hopes for um, how this season would go under him and him proving that he's got another level in him. Uh, but instead, it's just gone really badly wrong. And yeah, so I guess he's not going to be around for that much longer. Well, we'll, we'll see. Um, international break, I mean, as often as time clubs change manager, I, I would be shocked if United changed. I, I just, I didn't, 
I, just, I mean, we were yeah, shocked the, when they sacked you know, Mourinho. The, no, the noises are that just not. We were shocked when they sacked Mourinho. We we were we were absolutely shocked when they sacked Mourinho. Yeah. All righty. Well, it's the international break next, and that means uh, I, I guess we'll be talking about international football, or we, the football community, not not we this <laughs> no. part, because we don't do that kind of thing. Um, you, you, so there's a yeah, you know, there's a respite. Many of the players will go off to play World Cup qualifiers and and whatever. Not Mason Greenwood, who pulled out of the uh, England squad. Uh, weird stuff going on there with Mason Greenwood in England. Yeah. And Gareth Southgate said something really weird that he's got to nail down a position at United, otherwise he he might not have an England career. I was like, he seems to be playing quite a lot of games at United. Actually, he seems to, yeah. Anyway, and and all of them, and all anyway, of them so in United the same position. At Watford as, next. All of them in the same position as well, apart from yesterday. He's played wide right every time he's played all season, basically. Right? That's anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Watford up next. I guess there's no point in us doing a real preview because it's in two weeks' time. But um, it, they're not exactly going great. They lost Arsenal today and and got beaten by Liverpool. And how many games had Duranieri? Is that is that just the three, two or three? three I don't know. He came in three. Well, he's got he's got a couple of games to save his job then because the pots are uh, already line, lining up the firing well, they squad, won that aren't game they? Five three or whatever, five two against someone, didn't they? Um, yeah, but th- then we play Villarreal, and then it's Chelsea, Arsenal, Crystal Palace. So Chelsea away, that's a, that's a horrendously difficult fixture all the time. Anyway, Arsenal at home, like depending on where where what di- direction of travel the Arteta Solskjaer vortex is, they're ahead of us in they're three points ahead of us in the league right now. Yeah, I mean we're we're fortunate that Spurs and Brighton didn't win this weekend. I mean Brighton. Late goal against them, they were totally dominant against Newcastle, and and otherwise we'd be down in what seventh or yeah. eighth, something like that. Palace, so. Palace have been impressive. I mean, then then it's uh, young boys: Norwich, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley, which sounds like the kind of run you give a new manager to me. Um, so <laughs> I wonder. I, it's really weird because I, I don't have it. I'm not in the know. I don't have any like inside sources at the club. Um, I haven't bothered to cultivate them because, you know, what's the point? Other people do that much better. But those who do know something uh, are saying that they are sticking with him and they're going to ride it out. And and maybe maybe that's a smart calculation. Maybe they maybe they are waiting for Poch um, after fluttering their eyelids at him for many, yeah, many last, years. And they'll finally, the last, finally make the that point. The two appointments were close. Between Pochettino, I mean, at this point, Pochettino should just string them along and then go, ah, I'm not taking this stupid job. Should have given it to me the first time around, you muppets. I mean, no guarantee of success there, of course. But there's... No, there's of, co- no of course not. Yeah, and and you can kind of understand why it's... PSG is not like City, right? It's, it's a bit more chaotic in terms of its politics. And he doesn't get on well with Leonardo, apparently, and, and he wants out. And they forced him to stay by triggering an extension in his right. contract. So it would be a surprise to nobody if he leaves in the summer. I mean, they're miles ahead in the French League. They'll win that at Cantor, and it's really about the Champions mm. League. Um, but, uh, yeah, who, who, I don't know. I, I don't know. But it's, it's a, a, any other elite club, the run United are on would be terminal for the manager. Yeah, 100%, mm. especially getting battered by two rifles in successive weeks. I mean, Villa have just dispatched with Dean Smith, you know, Dean Smith, who you cut me in half and it says Aston Villa inside him. Uh, and and they look like they're making progression. They sold their best player and they've lost a few games now and it's been a bit of a difficult start. But their direction of travel had been very good and they they chopped him anyway. Yeah. Daniel Fark just got sacked at Norwich and we'll go into more detail in the, the backers content. And they just gave, they just gave him a new four year contract, yeah. and then they fired him after the first win of the season. I mean, it's a brutal business, except at United, yeah. apparently. And and I don't. I mean, there's something to be said for having faith in a manager and all these kinds of things. It's really important. But and you know, before the Tottenham game, the briefing was that um, there was no concern that having Solskjaer around would negatively impact the players' ability to win that game, basically. But he's going, are we are we game by game? Well, since then, there's been a really, really flattering two-all draw where we were dreadful for most of that game, including Paul Pogba. As painful it is, is, you know, 
He was absolutely dreadful. Yeah, he, he was, was dreadful. Um, I just want to say that in the interest of balance. Um, and uh, and then a two nil thrashing at the hands of Man City, an absolute shellacking two nil. A two nil where um, I thought they might need to get a third, but they didn't even slightly need to get a third because there was nothing in the tank and. Uh, I mean, Gary Neville said they were toying with United. I mean, that's yeah, polite. And then he said, but Ali Solskjaer uh... should keep his job forever because I like him. <laughs> Pretty much. Paraphrasing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I do like how uh, people call Neville out like constantly and he's just refusing to engage. He's such a politician yeah. about it. I, I mean, it's a dereliction of, it's a, it's not really a duty, but at least it's, it is really awful how bad these pundits are at that kind of stuff. Like Neville in particular, like very, very good on a bunch of stuff. But Gary Neville, I saw someone tweet, you should stick to politics, Gary, which made me really laugh. Um, <laughs> but the, um, but the, the, he's so bad on managers. He's just absolutely appalling on managers in general. Like never, never assigns any responsibility to them for anything ever. Um, no. Well, he had four games or whatever it was, seven or something at Valencia, and he, and uh, it, it turned out to be a lot harder than uh, perhaps he thought. But no, I mean, like, yeah. it, it's, I just think it's been just only ever managed by Ferguson. He's kind of lacks the imagination to realise that other managers might not be as good, and that's why Fergie won everything ever, forever. So, yeah. Anyway, oh, he, he, Fergie was around at the training ground after, I mean... Getting a suit fitted, we were quickly yeah. told. Yeah, absolutely no way was he coming in to to have crisis yeah. talks and you know give Oli a little pep talk or anything like that. Yeah, he uh, needed to go to Carrington to get his suit, not yeah. at Taylor's. I mean, I I love Alex Ferguson, and he is the best ever football manager. But anyone that listened to his recent um, United podcast episode would probably not be like clamouring for a return to the dugout for you know the eighty year old, and nor should they. No, right? I. I they, they would have Brian Clough going back to Forest vibes about yeah. it, wouldn't it? Uh, where he, I mean, he was even further gone. He couldn't even work out where his, the dugout was. Let no, that was Ron Atkinson. It. Was yeah. that Ron Atkinson? I'm, I'm mixing up batshit <laughs> managers, aren't yeah. I? I think we've run out of things yeah, I mean, to say. We could just talk about this for a long time more, but we'd be saying versions of the same thing over and over again. I don't think there's much more to be said about the nature of the game itself. It was... It was no. a, a performance that the coaching staff as a collective, whoever's coaching, whoever, because uh, I heard something about that quote that I said, surely can't yes. be true. <laughs> Where it's like, okay, well, maybe it could be a little bit more true than I would have given it credit for, which is absolutely unbelievable crazy. stuff. Anyway, we're, we're going to do Becker's content yeah. now. And I, I, I've... It's probably, I always enjoy talking yeah. about football. Right? I'll watch anything and talk about football. I was on the uh, Man on the Post right. pod this week um, chatting about football. Uh, I, this is the, I've, I, I, I don't think there's been a backers content I've less wanted to do. I didn't want to watch any football. I got up at 5.30 in the morning to watch United get humiliated. And I really mean that in the truest sense of the word. And I didn't want to watch anything else. But there's been a lot of stuff yeah, happening in football, so we're going we'll to go through all of that. Things that have happened and why they've happened, um, but not the actual football because neither of us should watch the kick. I've I've had the Milan derby all in the background. Uh, it's what it's one all at the nice. moment. Inter had a penalty saved. It's cracking, absolutely cracking end to end Sunday night Milan derby. Um, but yeah, all nice. right. So nice. Back and stay tuned for us to talk about Farker and Smith and Conte and Nuno and all that kind of stuff. Everyone else will see you after the international break. I uh, I misspoke earlier when I said this was after this I'd have five shows left. I forgot there was an international break. Four shows left for me after this one. We are on the countdown to um, a brighter, better future for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no. All right. Maybe we'll get maybe we'll get you back as a guest. Uh, oh yeah, at some point. That, some point yeah, in twenty twenty three or something like that. United again this season after it finishes. When, when your gardening levers <laughs> run out. All right, Brill. Thanks, everyone. Right. See you, Stay everyone. Patreon folks. So, welcome to the We Haven't Watched Any Football Manager Sacking Backers Special. <laughs> um, <laughs> which yeah. which manager would you like to talk about first? Well, let, let's start with the, the biggest. Let's talk about 
Nuno out, Conte in. Yeah. Which is very, very, very interesting. And I wonder, I mean, I feel, I find this fascinating in all sorts of ways. The chances of it working out seem extraordinarily remote to me. I don't know whether that's, I'm just missing something obvious, but um, I, I think it's very interesting that they acted as quickly as they did, considering yes. they hired Nuno four months in ago in the summer yeah. and he was manager of the month in August and he's sacked in November. And they're not exactly in a terrible position. So there's there's something going on. I mean, obviously the fans were are not happy. They don't like the style of football, but it, it's for, for all the good press that Levy has gotten for uh, managing this club, he's made some daft choices. I mean, it's pretty bad hiring Mourinho and you follow it up with ninth choice mini Mourinho. It just is an extraordinarily bad choice um, as manager. And and so he was never going to be a good fit because he just, you know, he, you, we've seen Wolves, right? We've seen Wolves. When he played a very negative style, they got some decent results. When he tried to open it up a bit, they were dreadful. And and you know what you're getting with Nuno. It just didn't seem a good fit. Conte's different in that he is he has produced success everywhere. He's produced success when he hasn't even had tons of money to spend. When when uh, he took over Juve just after Catchopoli, and when he took over Inter, although they did spend some money, of course, he's produced results. He produced results at Chelsea after a mess there as well. The car crash that you see coming with him is that his demands are extraordinary, right? And he's famous. And it's one of the reasons, who was it? Was it Andy Mitten or Gary Neville said this week? Yeah, what we'd heard was the demands he was making, I guess, through third parties of not only, you know, um, uh, his position, backroom staff and specific spending in the transfer market were more than we could accept. So are Tottenham going to change their business model? They run that club on an even keel. They made more profit pre-pandemic, right? Last year, financial accounts, pre-pandemic. They made more profit than any club in Europe. Now, that was juiced a little bit by their run in Europe and, and all of that. That was the season they made a Champions League final um, and they looked to be right on the up. Um, but they they run that club on an even keel. Now, even if you took those financial results and said, okay, add new stadium, it's 100 million uh, match day income per year, plus NFL games, plus other stuff they can do with that stadium and um, they are nowhere near the other members of the big big six in terms of revenues you know or free cash flow that they can go spend on players right so i just that's a long way of saying the car crash is coming with between conte's demands and what tottenham can reasonably serve up in, in the transfer market i wondered whether they acted really quickly because they were worried about united sacking Solskjaer and getting content yeah. in. I, I genuinely, yeah, maybe, yeah. I, I did wonder whether the the Conte signalling his interest um, in either job was to smoke United out. It actually seems to be the other way round, doesn't it? United had no interest. Oh, no, I've gone to Tottenham by accident. Yeah, that's right. That's when player turns up at Manchester Airport thinking they're signing for United and. <laughs> And they signed for City. Nowadays, they'd probably be happy with that. Uh, but in uh, 2008, yeah, one famous Brazilian turned up thinking he was signing for the other club. So goes the story. I mean, he thought he was signing for Chelsea, to be fair. Unless you're not talking about Rubinho. No, I was. Um, I was, yeah. The, I mean, it, it, the even better one, of course, was Berbatov, who might have been signing for City yeah. only for Fergie to kidnap him at the airport. Yes. Yeah. Um, the... The question of whether this is going to be successful is a, is a very interesting one. The, the 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 main reason that I didn't want Conte at United was that he signed Ashley Young on purpose and, and Sanchez, and, like and Damian and and well, Damian, I, I think I'll, I'll give a, a an exemption from the, the rule. But uh, Ashley Young is a, a fine professional, uh, very enthusiastic and hardworking, and all these kinds of things, which is all the stuff that he likes. I mean, he likes players who just get their head down and do what they're told. And I just think that's not the kind of manager that is going to get the best out of the current United squad, essentially. I think you need someone who is kind of um, capable of coaching, attacking patterns of play, but also really encouraging, expressive individualism. Yeah, no, he would be the complete polar opposite. So social is good vibes only. Let's not bother with the coaching bit. It's a bit getting in the way of the fun. And Antonio Conte is none of the fun. All of the, yeah. you will stand on this only. blade of grass when the ball goes in this direction. <laughs> yeah, mathematical formulas for how you play football. 
Yeah, and United have Bruno Fernandes. God, can so, you imagine you what know. would happen to Bruno under Conte? Look, he's been adaptable. He's been proven to be tactically adaptable. So I wouldn't. I, I, I yeah. don't want to suggest he'd only play three four three and nothing else because he actually started out playing a four four two at Chelsea and then worked out that that didn't fit. And and so let's give him um, his due there. He might not play a straight three four three, but there's no place for Bruno in a three four three. Oh, absolutely. So anyway, I, I, I'm quite glad he's not come to us. But I, I do think the thing that you, the point you made about Levy is extremely well made because this is why it's such a shocking. Mourinho seemed like a shocking fit because we saw what a busted flush he was. They lost three two to Venezia this weekend, by the way. Fuck fans. <laughs> <Just in. laughs> and you best believe I looked that up, especially in case they'd lost, so I could talk about it and wouldn't have but mentioned it. If Paul that... removed himself from the internet because doom scrolling is not good for your mental health, except for doom scrolling <laughs> Mourinho results. <laughs> hey, that's not doom scrolling. That's that's the opposite. I'm gonna wear my Venezia shirt that you sent me tomorrow. Of course, yeah. Beat Roma. <laughs> Yeah, it's a cool shirt. Um, but that signing seemed like a bad signing because he seemed like a bad manager by that point. Conte is definitely not in that boat. I just am absolutely shocked that Levy, Levy, Levy wants to give himself this headache. Yeah. I mean, this is a, he's, it's himself he's given the headache. I mean, I, I guess he thinks the players need a bit of a kick up the backside, something like that. Maybe they're planning to sell Harry Kane and give uh, Conte the money to invest however he wants. Although, yeah, who knows? who's giving, who's paying, who's paying big money for Harry Kane now? I, I, well, yeah, it is, it, it, they, they'd buy your hand off for 120 million right now, wouldn't they? I, and it's interesting whether, how much it's Levy's made this decision and how much is Fabio Paratici, the director of football and, and like, is, is Levy less day to day than he once was? But I'm, I presume he's signing off on all of this as presumably Joe Lewis is as well. So there's still direction coming down. It seems to be a club that's lost its way where it has huge potential. That new stadium adds tens of millions to their revenue potential. I mean, it's got a lot of debt attached to it as well, but it will do for them what they want it to do for them. If you were a Tottenham fan, the amount that you would miss Maurizio Pochettino, it's just like, considering he didn't win anything, they must miss him like... I don't know, some other club might miss a manager that <laughs> like won a lot of stuff. You, meant, you referenced post-Fergie today. I do think we need a moratorium very soon on the phrase post-Fergie post United because a third of the entire time that he was at the club has passed since he left. Yeah. Like, it is nine years, long years. since Alex Ferguson nine long left. Years. Nine, nine long years. The 11-12 season. Yeah, I know. You're, you're absolutely right. Season. Yeah, we. I mean, we are harking back like Liverpool fans once used to do and like we mocked them for doing. I mean, of course, of course we are because it's, it's been mostly doom. This podcast is nine years of doom. <laughs> yeah. It was nice when we won the FA Cup, wasn't it? Yeah. Under Van Hal. It, it was. That was nice. Good times. When Rashford, when Rashford made his debut, then we scored them two goals against Arsenal. That was good. That was good. That's good um, memories. When Patrice, when Patrice ever scored against Bayern and we were all happy for 30 seconds. That was good. Good times. Um, yeah. The, I, I mean, I, it is an extremely, extremely bold move by Tottenham to say, okay, we're going to spend all summer trying to get a manager we want, fail to get any of the managers we want, hire a manager we don't want, give him the bare minimum of time. As soon as there's a hint of it going wrong, we're going to get rid of him and hire one of the managers we actually do want. I wonder what's changed in Conte in the ensuing months because he turned Tottenham down in the summer. Yeah, I mean, tried it, to get it must, I, I'm sure he's not desperate. Down. I mean, the, the man doesn't look for, lack for funds. I don't think he needs to work. I'm sure he wants to get back into no. work, but he's still considered a top coach. There must be opportunities coming up. I think four or five Premier League managers have already been sacked this season. There will be big club opportunities for Conte. So he must have been promised something. I just don't know. It, I don't know how that fits with how Spurs run their club. I mean, are they now yeah. going to run this club at a loss to fulfil Conte's needs? Big gamble. Yeah, very big gamble. Because what you're trying to... When, when Chelsea won the league, there wasn't an established... I mean, it was that was kind of in the phase where City were winning the league once and then kind of having the next season off. Um, but 
the league is completely different. It's a totally different proposition because you have two incredibly good teams in this league. Like City and Liverpool, it's hard. It's horrible, isn't it? Like that's, but that's where we were at. City and Liverpool are both really, really good teams with really, really good managers. They are going to take some beating. Chelsea look like they might be close to being a really, really good team with a really good manager. And you know, and United only need to swap out, you know, some key personnel. And they're now talking about. I mean, their squad is. Our squad is a thousand times better than Spurs. Yeah, it should be fun. I mean, last on this, if Conte does what Conte does and, and fashions a really good team out of that squad and somehow gets Harry Kane back on it and all of that, because they, they do have some, there is some talent there and Newcastle go spend 500 million pounds in the transfer market or whatever. It could, could get a bit tasty at the top of the league. We might not even make the Europa Conference at that rate, but... Uh, Anyway, so I just, I, all right, just, just give me, give me uh, just a couple of seconds mentioning Doom Scrolling because you know when you do a little search on um, Google and then it gives you like a band of banner of headlines underneath. I'm just going to read you some some headlines that my latest search has resulted all right. in. Venezia, Venezia three, Roma two highlights. Oh, that's fine. That's good. Next one, um, Andrew Shevchenko, new Genoa boss to face Jose Mourinho's Roma in first game. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Jose Mourinho berates Roma players and Serie A's referees after Venezia loss. <laughs> of course he does. Mourinho, Mourinho turns on Roma and referees. I have to protect myself. Oh, <laughs> he actually said that. <laughs> wow. The numbers behind Mourinho's crisis at Roma. Oh, it's so nice. So good. Where do you think um, you'll rock up next after after the freaking I family mean, finally realizes the mistake they made and and fulfills the Mourinho business model by firing him? I mean, someone will take a pun on him. I think I surely we are now looking at Qatar or somewhere along those lines. Like, surely it's going to be big money in some big money somewhere that you know there's no particular yeah. respect for. Okay, so somewhere there isn't big money is Norwich, who. As I've mentioned on the main show, gave Daniel Varka a four-year contract extension in the summer after he got them promoted. Again, they didn't really spend any money on players. Again, sold their best player, Buendia. Um, and then on the day he gets his first good result of the season, first Premier League win of the season, fire him. Apparently preordained decision to fire him. It would have been funny if they'd won like 5-0 or something. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is very strange. I, I, I'm, I, the one thing that I, I, they were saying on the TIFO podcast, because Joe's uncle is a, is a Norwich fan, that there is this kind of like bubbling around this time of like, okay, like it's just not, it's just the same over and over and over again. And really obvious fixes not being made and slightly strange selection um, decisions being made. Um, Ryan Hun was saying on Wrighty's house and not playing Billy Gilmore for some reason. Um, even though like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you play Billy Gilmore if you're going right. to have him on, on loan? So maybe it's just one of those things where you could, you could kind of take the long view and say, okay, well, he's got them promoted twice and okay, he's probably going to get them relegated twice, but who you want managing them in the championship next season, but also he might not have wanted to do that cycle again. And maybe it's all, maybe it's just one of those where it's all just gone a bit, a bit ugly a bit quickly and you give a new four-year contract in the summer it, you lose enough games football the relationships in football clubs change don't they really quickly when you when you lose a few games in a row yeah i wonder what brendan williams thinks about it because you know a loan can make or break players young players and and we know what talent brendan williams has he has the raw talent to challenge either of our fullbacks for a position that's what we want we want him to develop this season and come back in better shape I mean I don't know Ollie doesn't seem to have a lot of faith in him and maybe there are reasons uh, but playing in a struggling team in the rele relegation zone almost only getting relegated and with another manager who who knows what he thinks of him it's, it's not good ingredients for a successful loan really it's interesting when you take a manager like Farker and you wonder what, what's his reputation going to be like after this because those they played the best football in the championship for, you know, both the seasons they got promoted. They got promoted comfortably and just were a, a really good side at that level. 
And and yeah, he lost his best player this time around, but they didn't lose so many of their best players uh, the first time around and they weren't able to make any dent on the Premier League. And, and you have managers, players who's, that's their level, right? Um, and then, so maybe you have managers that that's their level too. But having said that, coming up for the championship, not spending any money, giving your manager a four-year contract and then sacking him is weird. It's not no way to run a football no, club, is it? Do one on the other. As you said, Ranieri vibes about that one. Um, the other new yeah. appointment, um, and talking about, like, you know, I, I talked on the main show about having a vision, right? Look, like, managers are different. You don't have to appoint the same manager over and over again, but you kind of hope that there's some kind of view about where you're trying, the direction of travel you're trying to make. But could you get two more different managers than Eddie Howe and Unai Emery? I mean, completely different in vibe, approach. Emery apparently turned Newcastle down wasn't sure about um, them having the right, I'm like repeating reports, so no inside knowledge, but um, wasn't sure about them having, you know, the right kind of vision or structure at the club. They don't have a director of football and decisions are being made, it seems, by a couple of financiers who have a minority stake in the club. Um, So I can kind of understand why a serious man like Emery might turn that down um, in the middle of the season. But then you go to Eddie Howe who's been out of work for ages and whose last like major impact on football was getting Bournemouth relegated. So. So that's such a harsh description of Eddie Howe's time at Bournemouth. Like, oh yeah, that, oh, that's the guy that got them relegated, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's also the guy that took them up through three divisions. And, he did, know, but, the, but that's, cetera, that's not, you know, New, Newcastle's job won, well, a short-term job, stay in the division because the investment, the investment, quote unquote, or the sport washing project doesn't work very well when they're in the championship. No. So, uh, you know, wishing them good vibes, <laughs> not, um, anyway. So it's just, yeah, it, I mean, maybe he'll do a good job. Maybe he'll be able to turn this around quickly and they'll get some funds has in he, January. Uh, and so. has he got the he job? He was at the grounds, um, at Newcastle's draw with Brighton yesterday, sitting next to Amanda Staveley. So it would seem, you know, and this, they're just randomly good mates. It would seem that yeah. that is the case. It's an interesting job for him to take as well for, for the kind of his next job. Cause obviously like he did an absolutely amazing job at Bournemouth. That was an absolutely extraordinary, it's one of the great managerial feats of there's Renieri's Leicester, you know, various others, but it was, it was an extraordinary managerial feat. Yes. But and I was being very clear must... when I talked about him getting them relegated because yes i did yeah i did miss out all of that although there is that saying about all all football managers end in failure except for Oki, of course he he ended you know winning the uh premier league title but everyone else yeah. ends in failure yeah but the he really struggled when he left bournemouth went to burnley and then came back to bournemouth really found his feet again and it, that was his club top to bottom like absolute kind of he he had a kind of unique position in football at that club and and i think that that last season where he uh was where they got relegated he got burnt out it looked from the outside looking in like he was burnt out the pressures of in the premier league and all that kind of stuff because they'd stayed up two seasons yeah before that i think maybe even three but and obviously like they were you know they had russian money and all that kind of stuff by the end it wasn't i'm not saying it was a, a fairy tale or anything but but he did a remarkable job. This is a very different job, but he did build a culture at Bournemouth and that is the job here. And I, I think in a way, Emery is a, a, a more kind of like, let's see what we can do with the squad we've got and a few decent players and see how we go for a couple of seasons. Eddie Howe is much more of a like, right, let's root and branch look at this club and where we want to take it and what it wants to be and all of those kinds of things he has done that job before yeah. whether you can do that whether you can do that in the environment of newcastle yeah i mean it's uh they clearly don't have the right structure this is not they have not replicated manchester city yet and it's short term mm. but um you would think that the one of the first appointments would be the general manager director of football so they have an interim ceo no director of football decisions being made either from Riyadh or PCP Capital Partners, um, none of none of whom have any real experience in football. Uh, so yeah, maybe maybe Eddie Howe will be able to in that environment do a do a great job. Maybe it's just a short term appointment before they can appoint inevitably Jose Mourinho for the twenty two twenty three season. 
I mean, that is genuinely a possibility at this point, isn't it? Um, although if you want to build a culture and you get Eddie Howe to quite build like a positive, optimistic culture for a couple of years and then bring Mourinho into, anyway, uh, I guess whether I think that would be a good idea or not. Um, the, uh, the final manager then to talk about, well, talking of Eddie Howe, Dean Smith is, uh, uh, sort of somewhat of a parallel in a lot of ways because he really rebuilt that Villa side who had been desperately struggling to get back into the Premier League and failed, what, two, three seasons? They were out for, for a good while to the point where you're like starting to think of them as a championship club, which was unthinkable for such a long time because, you know, they were they were one of those teams that had sort of ne famously never been relegated from the Premier League. He got them back up and kept them up. Then they lost Grealish. I, I mean, we talked at the beginning of the season about how well they'd spent the yeah. Grealish money in advance and what a good season. So I was talking earlier about us talking about stuff in football and then it not turning yeah. out to be true. Well, that's a really good example of that. I mean, it, that seems to be... Uh, I know they've lost five games in a row, but uh, what, what are they going to do next? Like, are they, are they, gonna, are they really going to upgrade on Dean Smith at Villa? I mean... I, yeah, I don't know. And I, it doesn't seem that they have a plan particularly. Uh, and maybe there's some behind the scenes because look, five games in a row is, is tough. They've had some tough fixtures in there though. I mean, sure, they lost at Tottenham, but an up and up Wolves side who are, are playing some decent football and getting some good results under Bruno Lage. Arsenal, who've blown hot and cold, but uh, looks like they're moving forward. West Ham, who've been great this season. Southampton, maybe not, but you know, there's features they could have lost in there. Um, that it's hard to say, hey, that's long term rot. Uh, and he's integrated several new players. Their bet was that they'd replace all the goals and assists that, that Grealish offered with this, you know, range of players. It's the money ball approach, and, and it hasn't worked out for them, but they're not in desperate trouble. They've lost a lot of games, but they've also won some. And, and uh, it seems they pulled the trigger very, very early. Um, on Dean Smith, I, I don't know whether they have someone lined up um, or not. I haven't heard heard or read anything in the media to suggest that's the case. So, um, yeah. No, I mean, so they're sixteenth in the table um, on ten points, which is the same as Watford, which that's bad. Um, they're. I, I was just having a quick look to see if they're they're kind of underlying. Um, Expected goals metrics were not good or anything that like, would were like if he'd been unlucky in that regard, but it doesn't look like that's the case uh, at all. Um, I, I, I guess it's one of those things where when you support the club as well, you, you'll often get this, won't you? Where from the outside, like I remember a Leicester fan talking about Ranieri, um, saying, I totally understand why this seems insane to everyone outside the club, but we're getting relegated if he stays yeah. in, in the job till the end of the season, so. You know, you can you feel it sometimes when you're a supporter, they've, don't they've you? They've also been unlucky. Yeah, Danny Ings getting injured, Ezra Conzer getting injured. I mean, it's they've had some players out um, that have disrupted what they wanted to do as well. So anyway, like time will tell whether this was desperately needed or they they pulled the trigger a bit early. But um, this was uh, of the firings and hirings this week. This was probably the bigger surprise. Yeah, so um, even though we haven't watched any of the football, I'll just very briefly talk about a couple of interesting results. I mean, Norwich got battered on expected goals, but lost, the, but beat Brentford. I mean, battered on expected goals. Um, Chelsea battered Burnley on expected yes. goals, but drew one all. And, and probably if pretty... Lukaku had been fit, that'd have been a comfortable win. Yeah. Um, Palace smashed Wolves by the looks of it. Um, uh, See, isn't this it? This is like the story of the season so far, isn't it? Just how what the transformation from Palace under Hodgson to Vieira, who, like, with his managerial record, has no right to be like a completely transformational manager. There was no signs of this. Well, oh, the the, the thing I think that that um, Andy Brassel was saying is that there's definitely been good periods at his previous clubs where it's looked like maybe he was doing something and, and, and not that he was doing something and then it turned out he wasn't, but like that there was maybe some promise there after all. And well, I mean, he's doing a, a genuinely remarkable job. Uh, Brighton re returning to a position of smashing a team on XG and not winning a uh, very comfortable and familiar position for them. But then I, I guess the most significant, I mean, Burnley drawing one all with Chelsea at Chelsea is extremely significant, but the most significant and surprising result of the weekend 
Um, David Moyes is absolutely extraordinary. West Ham United uh, beating Liverpool 3-2. And, and uh, Moyes' West Ham United are third in the league at the moment. And absolutely deserve to be there as well. That's the other thing. Like, they have been excellent. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think I've said this before, but the fact that they've reinvented them, he has reinvented his approach to football, I think, is, should be inspirational for other managers who are struggling to find a new chapter. Basically, what I'm saying is maybe don't just do the thing that definitely doesn't work over and over <laughs> and over again. Like after a match, maybe throwing all your players under the bus and saying you need to protect yourself and, you that know, kind of, things it does, like doesn't, that. doesn't work, does it? Yeah. I, I was reminded by someone on social media of the banner that Liverpool fans had, David Moyes, football genius. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. Maybe, yeah. maybe he was, after all, the chosen one. He just needed time. If he'd had these eight years, he might have fashioned a good United side. Um, worth saying at this point, the backers' content is almost as long as the main yeah. show. He sort of sums up how we feel about uh, you know, its week, I guess. All right. Well, um, I guess we'll leave it there and um, hope you enjoyed the chat about firings and hirings. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. I, I, I would imagine that quite a lot of these people would rather we'd been talking about a different firing and hiring, I can only imagine. But, yes. Um, so yeah. after Watford 3, United nil, we'll, we'll talk about Ollie's firing then, shall we? <laughs> anyway, have a good one, yeah. everyone. Enjoy we'll, the football. The England versus, um, I can't even remember, Andorra or something maybe. Talking of England, can't believe there's been an entire T20 World Cup and we haven't talked about it on the backers' content whatsoever. Joss Butler's 100 against Sri Lanka just, is one of the best things I've ever seen in, in any in sport. In any sporting context, just uh, absolute genius at work. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that'll do. It's T20. <laughs> it's, not, it's not real. No, it is. I love, look, T20 is so good. It's so it's, good. It's not actually been a great World Cup, but um, even with that, there's been some incredible moments of skill. So, yeah. All right. Alrighty. Thanks, everyone. Bye now. See you soon.